Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's the Last Stand Podcast. And here's your host, Brian Custer. That's right. The unfiltered straight talk from some of the biggest names in sports and in the sport of boxing. I'll tell you what, the 168-pound division is hot. And one of the champions in that division has got some sweet hands. He's none other than the IBF champion himself, Caleb Plant. He joins us on the Last Stand podcast. Caleb, welcome to the show. Appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you on here, champ. And listen, you, you, you've obviously defended your title uh, a few times here now, and you've had this fight uh, with Caleb Truax. And this question is in no way at all to demean Caleb Truax because um, he's a good fighter. But what was the purpose of the fight with Caleb Truax? Um, well, he's ranked uh, usually in the IBF uh, rankings. Number one and two will be vacant, and then they'll have a number three, and then the number three is always the mandatory. And um, I just knocked out a mandatory at the beginning of the year in February against Vincent, but we wanted to do back-to-back mandatories. That way uh, it would give me a year's worth free and open to make uh, big unification fights. Um, the IBF is really strict with their mandatories, and uh, the IBF is usually the only sanctioned body that will not excuse mandatories for unification fights or bigger fights. So we thought that it would be a good idea to go ahead and do two back-to-back. That way, moving forward for the whole rest of the year, you know, a mandatory wouldn't get in the way of me making uh, a big unification fight. So. so so it seems like coming from you, Champ, you're saying uh, f- uh, from this point forward, it's nothing but big fights for Caleb Plant, whether they're unification fights or fights against, you know, big name fighters. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, that, that's the goal and that's the plan. So, you know, I think uh, there were, you know, a handful of people curious of why I was doing back-to-back mandatories and what the reason was behind that. And uh, like I said, with the IBF being so strict uh, about mandatories, we just thought that it would be a good idea to do those two back-to-back. That way, moving forward, like we said, you know, we can get those, those big fights that boxing wants and that I want, so. You know, at one point, uh, you were the guy that Canelo uh, was looking uh, to fight, obviously, last December, and then things fell apart. Tell us what happened. Give us the scoop. What happened there? Um, well, there was never a, a situation, like, where they sent over, you know, contracts or, you know, we were sending contracts back and forth. Um, before it gets to that point, there has to be a lot of verbal agreements, you know, and um, with uh, it being about five weeks away and only four weeks of training, 
Um, my manager, Luis Cubis, he felt like that that would be a bit of a rush for a fight of that magnitude. And, you know, I back him on that and I support him because that would have been not only a big payday for me, but for him as well. So for him to be looking past that and, and be looking out, you know, from my best interest, um, you know, he's the pound. People have him as the pound for pound king. So um, why would you not put yourself in the, uh, the best position to, you know, get your hand raised in that fight? Yeah, I was going to say, do you think that was that was really the key? Try to get you on short notice? Yeah, I think it was. Uh, or, you know, if it wasn't me, then whoever was, um, you know, silly enough to raise their hand or what was maybe the word ain't silly, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, yeah, he, he knew when he was fighting. He knew the day that he was fighting. And he, I think he was trying to catch uh, whoever would, you know, bite on the bait uh, on short notice. And he got him one and did what he's supposed to do. So, yeah, you know, uh, a guy who's been your rival for a while, seems like David Benavidez says he also wants Canelo Alvarez uh, as well, but he says he now wants you more. I'm quoting him. This fight has been percolating for a couple of years now, and it's time for you two to fight before Canelo. What do you say to that? Of course he feels that way. You know, he's done lost his belt twice, once to cocaine, and now he's done lost it on the scale, coming in like three pounds over or whatever. So, of course, he wants to feel like that he can just jump the line again and get a world title fight. And, you know, in his eyes, he feels he's going to beat me and then get the Canelo fight. But boxing doesn't work that way. So um, he, he's had his opportunities. And, you know, we were working close, getting closer and closer to being able to make that fight happen for the fans. Um, that's a fight that I've wanted for a long time, even when he won the belt from um, Ronald Graville. You know, I was standing right at the bottom of the stairs before he could even get to the bottom saying, hey, let's fight. Let's make the fight happen. And uh, he said that I needed a world title first and that I needed to, you know, get up to his level. And, you know, that way we can make a big fight. And since then, he's lost the belt twice. So, you know, it seems like he don't feel the same way when, you know, it has to do with him. So. Um, that fight will happen. He needs to work his way back, and I'll gladly bust his ass. But um, right now, I'm focused on January 30th, and then I'm not looking past Caleb Truax, but I am looking through him. Yeah. And, uh, I got bigger fish to fry than David Benavidez. So, let me ask you this: uh, Do you do you believe that you two will actually fight, or will this be a situation kind of like Spence? and Thurman, where everybody wanted them to fight initially. And then, you know, Thurman always kind of held off Spence. And then all of a sudden, once Spence became champ and Thurman wasn't, it was like, okay, Thurman wanted to fight. And Spence is like, hey, I'm past that now. You could have fought me a long time ago, and I have no desire in fighting you anymore. Will that be this the case, or will you do you think we'll ever see Benavidez plant? No, I think we will. That Again, that's the fight that I want. That's a fight that I, even in my last fight, um, in Tennessee, you know, right in the post-fight interview, I said that I want that fight. Um, I didn't I didn't think that he would lose his belt again. You know, I thought that we would be working towards a unification fight. And um, so that's definitely a fight that I want. I would gladly, like I said, bust his ass for the whole boxing world to see. But, um, you know, right now I'm focused on, on the task at hand. And right now that's January 30th. And, um, you know, then I, I, I'm looking for bigger fish to fry. But... He's still on my shit list, so we can we we'll still make it happen. Billy Joe Saunders says uh, it's a waste of breath to talk about you two fighting. He said we fight on different platforms. Politics won't allow it. What do you say? Hmm. You know that 
in, in in all fairness and in all honesty, that that would probably be a difficult fight to make. Um, you know, that's a fight that I would gladly take. That's a fight that uh, you know I'm looking to become the first undisputed super middleweight of all time. That's been my goal since before I turned pro. So um, whoever has the belts, the, those are the fights that I want right now. I'm looking to become the first undisputed super middleweight. So, um, but it, it might be difficult with the different ne networks and um, on the, under the different companies. You know, unless you're a mega star and uh, makes sense for both sides, then a lot of times it's hard to to make those type of fights. But if, if it, it was at all possible and, you know, we were able to make that, then I would definitely take that. You know, listen, you have such a hot division. Canelo, Benavidez, Billy Joe Saunders, Berlanga, who we spoke with, who's coming up. Uh, what separates Caleb Plant from the other top fighters at 168? Um. You know, I've been uh, I've been doing this for a really long time and at a really high level. I'm a I'm a Golden Glove national champion. I'm an Olympic alternate. Um, I was undefeated in the WSB. Um, so I, I just feel like I'm the full package. I feel like a lot of these guys they're they're good at one thing or or maybe even great at one thing, but they're they're just not as well rounded as as maybe they should be. And uh, I just feel like I have all the tools to beat them, whether it's fighting off my front foot, off my back foot, whether we pot shot or throw combinations, um, sit in the pocket and, you know, pick and roll or use the whole ring. You know, I, I just feel like that I got all the tools to, you know, negate whatever's in front of me, so. Caleb, um, why don't you do this for me? In your opinion, rank the top five guys right now at 168 pounds, top five. I feel like I'm the best super middleweight in the world. So other than that, you know, if you're not first, you're last. <laughs> uh, a number of answering in this question. Listen, I know, I know you have Truex. Um, after that fight, if it was up to you, put uh, promotion management aside. Caleb Truex or Caleb Plant was his own promoter, own manager. Give me your next three fights. Well, Caleb Plant is his own promoter. I fight under Sweet Hands Promotions, so. Um, but right now it would, uh, I would handle business and fashion on January 30th. And then, you know, me and Canelo will get it on. And after that, you know, things changed so quickly in the super middleweight division. I thought that me and Davis was work, was working towards a unification fight. And you see how quickly that, you know, that changed. So, um, it's hard to say those things, but, uh, my, those are my, would be my next two fights for sure. You know, at that mm -hmm. point. I feel like I'd have a better grasp and understanding of what was going on and where the cards fell in the super middleweight division. I can make that third fight prediction, but you know, as of now, that's, I don't, I don't want to look too far down the road, you know, cause I'm really just focused on January 30th. Uh, I don't even really want to talk about the Canelo fight, to be honest. I know a lot of people keep asking me about it and, you know, pecking, pecking at me about it, but I, I'm, my full focus is on January 30th. There's been so many fighters in the history of the sport who, you know, had a fight in front of them and they kept looking past it to bigger fights or better fights or more lucrative fights or whatever the case may be. And they didn't, they didn't focus on the task at hand and, and uh, they, they paid the cost for it. So um, I, I like to learn from other people's mistakes before I, I make it on my own. And so that, that's something that I've taken note of. And my full attention, my full focus is on January 30th and Caleb Truax. He's a, he's a former world champion. Um, he's upset people before. He's got a lot of experience. Um, so that, that's where my focus needs to be right now. 
you know, once you beat uh, Jose Uzcategui, who at the time many considered like the boogeyman uh, of the division and guys who really didn't want to fight him at the time, you become champion. How much better of a fighter did you become after that, after that win? Um, I definitely became a better fighter. You know, I didn't show myself anything that I didn't already know about myself. Um, it wasn't a surprise, but you know, I think just naturally you become a better fighter. There's the confidence is there and, you know, just, you're just naturally going to become a better fighter. So, um, I, I learned a lot in that fight. And, um, I feel like since then you've seen a better Caleb plant each time I step out and January 30th, I feel like you're going to see the best Caleb plant that you've seen yet. So. And, and let me ask you this, how have you remained disciplined? How have you remained, as you talked about hungry, uh, even after you became a champion, whereas as we've seen even in your division, even with David, uh, sometimes guys become champion and they slip. Um, uh, things happen and they lose their belt. But how have you become a better fighter even after you got the strap? Well, because um, it was a goal, you know, to become a world champion, but it wasn't the goal. And so you, you have to be honest with yourself. And, you know, I, I don't feel like I've said this in other interviews recently. I don't feel like I'm at the peak of the mountain. I feel like winning that world title just got me to the base of the mountain for what I want to really accomplish in the sport. Like I said, becoming the first undisputed super middleweight pound for pound and, you know, just having a career that's written in stone that, you know, can't be erased. And so, you know, it's just about, like I said, being honest with yourself and keeping um, keeping the the main goal in sight, and uh, you know, I just don't want to. I don't want to slip. I don't want to mess this up. You know, I, I in this sport, there's not a lot of room for error, and this is a very unforgiving sport. And so, I, I'm not in a situation or position where I can lose my world title, and they're just gonna, you know let two people fight for it and then let me come right back around and, and me get to fight for it again. I, I don't feel like I'm in that situation in that position where I'm going to be handed freebies and, and, you know, things of that nature. So I, I need to make sure that I'm doing everything right. And that's something that my dad has said since I was a little kid, when it comes to boxing, he's just, he's always been on me. Everything's got to be right. Everything's got to be right. Everything's got to be right. And um, so whether it's, you know, with my nutrition or, you know, making sure I'm training year round with Coach Wade or in the gym, most importantly, working on my craft um, and just living a healthy lifestyle that I can, so I can, you know, obtain those goals that I want. You know, I need to make sure that I'm on top of that because uh, I am hungry and I am motivated. So. Mm. Uh, how did you get the nickname Sweet Hands? Uh, um, just uh, in the amateurs, um, the first time I won the Gold Golden Glove State Championships, I went to regionals. Um, and there was six, seven different states there, Atlanta, Virginia, um, Tennessee, Kentucky, just, you know, that whole region right there. And that was the first time that I had really been on the regional stage and people didn't really know of me too much. And so they see me fighting, they'd be like, man, who is this? And this is their words, not mine, but man, who's that white kid right there? Man, he's got some sweet hands. He's got some sweet hands. <laughs> uh, they just started calling me that and it just kind of stuck. And, you know, I don't really feel like you're supposed to give yourself your nickname whether it's the best nickname or, you know, maybe not the best nickname is what was given to me. And so we just, you know, stuck with that. I love it. I love it. Now, look, I, I know your story. Now, obviously your fans uh, know your story, but for those who are going to watch this, you know, there may be people who become Caleb Plant fans after watching this. And your story is really uh, uh, one of determination, perseverance, 
uh, you're such a young man, I mean, still in your 20s, yet your daughter dies a few years ago from a rare disease at the tender age of 19 months. Your mother uh, obviously had her, her own demons, whether it was drugs, alcohol. She gets shot and killed uh, by a sheriff deputy a couple of years ago. That would have derailed. That would have taken any professional athlete's career under, uh, yet even maybe even their life, but yet not you. Tell, tell, tell us why. Well, I mean, you know, there was, uh, <clears throat> you know, Leah, she got to come to the gym with me every day. I'm not in a situation where I have to go to some corporate office and, you know, Leah wasn't able to come. You know, I was uh, fortunate enough to have a, a career and a job where Leah could come to work with me and, and sit off to the side, um, except for the times that she was in the hospital and I would have to leave. You know, I would stay in training camp um, at the hospital, sleep at the hospital. I'd wake up, come to the gym, go back to the hospital, eat lunch, go to strength and conditioning, come back to the hospital, um, you know, go run, go get ice, come back to the hospital, take an ice bath in the bath at the at the hospital, wake up and do it all again. And, um, but you know, there were times that when she was in the hospital, I, I'd have to leave and, and go to work. Like, you know, most men and women, um, you know, that, that normally that's how, how they have to do it. They leave their kids for a while and then they come home from work. And, um, you know, I didn't really get to have all the time that I wanted with her. So for those little times that I did have to miss going, going to work and, and going to my job, um, after, you know, she was no longer here, I feel like those times that I did miss, they would be in vain, you know, and I, I didn't want to dis disappoint her. I didn't want to let her down. And, you know, I had already been doing this for such a long time since I was a kid, you know, I felt like, you know, I'm already in this too far now to, to quit and to turn around and just determine and, and really just determine to, to become a world champion and to finish, finish the job that I started off on, uh, which was, like I said, to become a, the first undisputed super middleweight of all time. So, you know, I just, um, there's been a lot of things that have happened in my life uh, and those things haven't broken my spirit. So it's hard for me to believe that there's any man walking God's green earth that can, so. Yeah, you, you, you know, and that, that, that you touched upon something there because I remember when I was talking to Gervonta Davis and he said, let me tell you something, the way I grew up, the group homes and the stuff that happened to me in those group homes, the abuse and everything that I had to go through and yet I'm still here. So you can't tell me there's not another person uh, who comes, gets in that ring with me that can beat me considering everything I've gone through. Is that kind of what you bring into that ring that maybe your opponent doesn't know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, I got a lot of respect and ad admiration for Javante. And, you know, I, I know a little bit about his story and it's something that uh, I definitely respect. And I, I, I feel the same way, you know, um, th those are two incidents that you named that happened in my life. But there's a lot more than just those two, you know, and some that some people know about and some that nobody will ever know about. And um I feel like after conquering those things and getting through those things, you know, I don't feel like there's really anything on earth that can stop me, so. Yeah, good stuff.
Uh, Caleb, time for uh, a segment we call here, Take a Stand on Your Health, is brought to you by one of our sponsors, uh, Man Cave Health, who's really mission is to make sure that all men take at least one hour out of the year to get an annual physical or a PSA test. And I guess the first question for you is how important is your health to you? Um, you know, my health is, is really important to me. And, you know, for me, I, I usually think of it as a, from a standpoint of, uh, you know, I want to be as healthy as I possibly can because, I'm a world champion and I want to be in the sport for a long time. And, you know, I usually equate my health to it equaling up to how good I can stay in the sport, how long I can stay in the sport. So if it wasn't for boxing, you know, it'd be hard to say like how important I would take it or, you know, I don't know what I don't know. So, um, but, but it is important to me and I do try to live a healthy lifestyle and, you know, things of that matter. What do you, what do you do, Caleb, to make sure that it is just as important to other members of your family, i.e., your father, uh, to make sure that it's just as important that he stays healthy and gets an annual check? Um, you know, something that Louis Cubas always tells me, and um, Al tells him, is uh, you know, you got to take care of your body because it's taking care of you, and so that's something that stuck with me since I've known Louis and. Um, you know, I, I take care of my body because it's taking care of me. It's providing me, you know, a nice life, a nice house, you know, nice things. And so I, I need to make sure that I continue to take care of it. So, um, you know, it, it makes it a little bit easier with Jordan because uh, she, she likes to be healthy and, and work out. And, you know, she's not a pro athlete, but she was, you know, a division division one collegiate athlete. But even though she no longer does that, she loves living a healthy lifestyle and working out and, you know, making like, fresh, fresh juices and stuff like that. And uh, so that's something that she's got, you know, she done bought my dad and stepmom a juicer, her dad a juicer, her mom a juicer, you know, she's got like all of his juices and everything. And um, so that that's one way we like to stay healthy is like fresh, fresh juices and making sure we're drinking water. And so, you know, I try to stay on my dad about making sure, like you said, he's, he's, uh, you know, living a healthy life and, and making sure he's getting his juices in. And if you weren't a world-class athlete, and obviously you have to get physicals, you know, every year, uh, but if you weren't, do you think you'd be just as diligent about your health? Um, like I said, I, I don't know what I don't know. So all I know is that I am a pro athlete and that, you know, so it is important for me to be living a healthy lifestyle and making sure I'm on top of those things. Um, but, you know, just for the sake of the show, I'll say that I would like that I would, you know, be just as diligent so and my last question to you is um you know what, what do you think uh athletes like yourself uh could do with your platform to bring about awareness to make sure that you know not only yourself family members but everyone uh stays healthy and lives somewhat of a healthy lifestyle again it, I, I think it's really important and it kind of can touch back to Aaliyah. you know there's she was not healthy, you know, she had a poor immune system. She had, you know, brain damage and, you know, anyone who knows the story, you know, I don't want to keep just pounding and pounding, but, you know, and so for people like us who can walk and can talk and, and can go out and, you know, go for a run and go for a walk and just accomplish things in life, whether it's, it doesn't have to be a world champion. It can be, it could be on a smaller level. And just cause it's on a smaller level doesn't mean it's any less important, you know? So, um, it's because we do that, have that opportunity, um, 
and not everybody does, we should take advantage of that. You know, we should, we should try to live a healthy lifestyle. We should go to, you know, for the sake of being able to go out and trying to accomplish something in the world and put our, you know, our footprint in the world and, and you know, accomplish and do something that people can't erase or, or, you know, just leaving your mark on the world. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that it's important to, to, to be healthy and to work out because, you know, not everybody gets to. Well, listen, that's the great thing about Man Cave Health is that their mission is to make sure to encourage all men uh, to take just one hour out of the year to get at least an annual physical and uh, a PSA test because prostate cancer certainly uh, is, a, is a cancer that is raging uh, amongst all, all men. And the good thing is you can get more information about Man Cave Health by going to their website at mancavehealth.org. Uh, and listen, sign up for their newsletter, and you can also text a donation. All you have to do is text the last stand to 44321. Here with the champ, Caleb Plant, uh, the IBF super middleweight champ of the world. And champ, everyone who does the show, we, uh, we ask our viewers uh, to submit questions, and they came raining in for you. So let's get right to them here. Uh, we're going to start on Facebook. This one is from George. He says, any frustration that you haven't gotten a bigger profile fight in the two your two years as champion? Um, no, I, I feel like I have a I, I do not. I feel like I have a great team around me. Um, I think that people tend to forget that I only have twenty fights, so you know most people haven't even won a world title by now, much less won it from as you said a person in Jose Uzgatsugi that really nobody wanted to fight at the time. And, um, you know, I had my uh, voluntary fight against Mike Lee, and then I took it home with a mandatory uh, to fight in front of my hometown and my home crowd. And now we're doing a back-to-back -back mandatory. That way we can, you know, like I said, have that year's free worth of uh, room to make big unification fights. So I feel like I'm right on track. I'm right where I need to be. And uh, like I said, I have a great team around me. So, you know, they, they I leave that to them and I stick to the fighting. Uh, Brandon from Facebook asks, do you see a possible fight with Charlo in your future? Um, yeah, definitely. I, I, I've heard rumors of him wanting to move up to 168. And, uh, you know, if that's the case, then I'm the man to see in that division. So uh, we've talked about this one. This one comes from Twitter. Uh, it says, are you willing to fight David Benavidez before a Canelo fight happens? Well, we talked about that one. <laughs> As I said, I'm focused on January 30th, and then, um, you know, I think that we're close to making that Canelo fight happen. I think that it can be made. Um, he's saying it can be made. I'm saying it can. Our teams are on board. So the Canelo fight will happen. And after that, I'll get to him. He's got to wait his turn. You know, it, he, maybe he wouldn't have had to wait, but, you know, you snooze, you lose. So he's going to have to wait his turn, and uh, I'll get to him. So. This one from Twitter, what's your routine and mindset for training camp? How do you stay in shape throughout the year? Um, well, you know, after a fight, I may take a, a couple weeks rest or, or whatnot, but uh, after that, it's time to get back and start doing small things uh, with Coach Wade, just working on my strength, um, you know, making sure I'm getting my massages and staying, and staying uh, flexible and mobile and, um, you know, drinking my fresh press juices. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, like, like I said, just living a healthy lifestyle, making sure I'm getting back in the gym and, and working on new things, uh, with Justin and my dad in the boxing gym and, 
you know, just as I said, keeping the, the main goal always in mind, which is to become that undisputed super middleweight. So um, everybody at the end of the day, they know what they need to do. Everyone knows what they should be doing, what they need to be doing. Just a lot of times we don't listen to that internal voice. So, you know, just making sure I'm listening, you know, to myself because I, I know what I'm supposed to be doing. I know what I need to be doing. Uh, this last one from Twitter, it says, Caleb, how many weeks of training camp do you need to get ready for Canelo? Um, well, you know, usually a world uh, a world championship training camp is eight weeks. And um, I feel like I've solidified myself as a world-class boxer. So I demand world-class respect. So that's a that's an eight-week training camp. Um, I usually do a five, six-week pre-camp. And then even before that, I'm training like, you know, in the gym with Coach Wade, all that. But, you know, I feel like that an eight-week camp is uh, plenty fair you know, for a fight of that magnitude. Caleb Plant, we've come to the last segment of this show. We call it The Last Stand. I'm gonna ask you a series of questions, champ. I want the first thing, not the second, that comes to your mind. You ready? I hope so. Here we go. First question. Give me the one fighter who you just can't stand. Uh, David Benavidez. <laughs> uh, Champ, who has the fastest hands in boxing? Gary Russell Jr., Ryan Garcia, or Caleb Plant? Gary Russell. Mm. Biggest puncher at 100. By that much. <laughs> Biggest puncher at 168 pounds. Biggest puncher. Hmm. That's a tough one. The punch that lands is the is the hardest punch. So just because you can hit hard don't mean that you're going to land it. So I don't know. I'll have to skip that one. I'm sorry. Uh, we had Edgar Berlanga on. He said he's the biggest puncher at 168. Well, again, that's the punch that lands. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what are, here's the next one. What are the stereotypes that comes with being a white fighter that you've had to contend with? your career? Um, it, it's been a lot, you know, I feel, and this is just the first thing that comes to my mind, right? Yeah, yeah, first thing. Just, yeah, you know, I guess I, I would be considered a minority in the sport. And, you know, when uh, we, we know the world that we live in, so, you know, that comes with uh, specific things, but, you know, I feel like I'm built for it. And, um, you know, there's a lot of people who go from a lot of different ethnicities who go through the same thing. And uh, I'm not here to cry or complain about it. It hasn't held me back from becoming a world champion or one of the best people, best in, you know, that my sport has to offer. So that's just the life we live in. Last question for you, champ. A year from now, Caleb Plant will be what? The first undisputed super middleweight of all time. Wow. Wow. Uh, Words. How about this? How long do you see yourself at 168? I'll be here for a long time. I make weight really easy. I have no issues making weight. I'll be here for the super middleweights that are here now. Any of the middleweights that plan on moving up anytime soon, I'll be here for them. And like I said, I'll be the man to see. So, Champ, let me just say this, man. Uh, this was fun. Uh, I, I'm proud of you. I mean, I, I, I got the opportunity to do 
your fights when you were just coming up and now to see you as a champion and see how you've grown, how you've matured, it is like, yeah, this, this is what you love about the sport. When you see people like you who have achieved their dreams and, and, and continue to dream and achieve, I just love it. Thank you, man. Thank you. I had a good time too. This was a, this was a fun one. Yeah, he is the IBF super middleweight champion of the world. He's known as Sweet Hands, Caleb Plant. Folks, that's what we do here on The Last Stand. We bring you the, some of the biggest names in sports and entertainment, just like in the sport of boxing, Caleb Plant. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next week.